0: To the Zion Art Podcast, dedicated to exploring the art and culture of Latter-day Saints through interviews with artists, collectors, and scholars. The podcast is presented by the Zion Art Society and hosted by me, Micah Christensen. Today, you get two for the price of one. I am joined by Cassandra Barney and Emily McPhee, sisters, daughters of a remarkable artist and painters who have developed their own separate and thriving careers. Each has been invited to show their own work in the Certain Women Art Show. We are thrilled to have both of you here. Welcome, Cassandra Barney and Emily McPhee.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here. So Same. I,
0: I usually don't <laughs> interview two artists together unless we pick a topic. But um, And I want to be very clear from the beginning. You two are sisters and artists, but you don't paint pieces together. You paint your own pieces separately. Right, right. Okay. And this then goes to a question that... that uh, and I could spend the whole time talking about this. Um, there's an age difference between the two of you. How much is there of an age Ten difference? Ten years. Ten years. Hey, that's the same difference between me and, and my eldest sister, and we might as well be separate families, <laughs> right? And, like, I am the oldest child of the second family, and, and, and she's the oldest child of the first right. family. Is that how it feels a little bit in your family?
2: Um, well, it's kind of fun because I was a school teacher. I was teaching at the Waterford School when Emily was in high school and she came, she was one of my students for a little while, for oh, my two heavens. years. And I we carpooled. It. We had a good
1: half hour to and from school to get to know each other.
0: Oh, yeah. my yeah. heavens. Yeah, well, and it's good. interesting you say that because it really is getting to know yeah. one another. Yeah, yeah. Right? she because moved you, out when I
1: was eight. So, yeah.
0: And you have almost like no... And and she didn't know you as an adult, really. I mean, you mm. were doing your own life, probably. Right. Right? right. So this is this is a question that... I could spend the entire time exploring, but I won't because I want to get to your own individual work. But And I think this question ties into it. I'm going to start with Cassandra on this, which is, and you go by cast by a lot of people, so I may go back and forth. Okay. Okay. That's good. So your father is James Christensen, and he is one of the most influential um, founding fathers of of Latter-day Saint art culture, even though he had a career much beyond... Um, Latter-day Saint art and he also taught at BYU and you went to BYU you did did you do your undergrad there as well as your masters I did okay And he was my teacher so this is a meta question because on one level there's this question of you have a father who's an artist you become an artist how do you develop your own identity within it but then on top of that for emily the question is you have a father who is an artist how do you identify your own career beyond that you have a sister an older sister who's an artist who you studied with as well how do you i mean it's it's this this idea of 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 questions that art historians like me love to read into (laughs) of how one person influences another. And I almost never get to ask this question, which is um, how did you separate or not even, maybe that uh, that's not the best way to begin. How did your father being an artist influence your choice to become an artist? We'll start with you, Cassandra.
2: Okay. Cause I have so much to say about this. Um, well, cause we actually talked about this on the drive up here that our, first of all the language that we use the greatest gift that he gave us I think is the using metaphor and symbolism with which to We communicate through our artworks. So it's the language. It's our alphabet. Hmm. Even though, like, I know when I was an undergraduate, I was kind of ornery about it. And I would think in my mind, (laughs) this is so embarrassing, but I would think I was self-taught because I'm like, yeah, it's not like I hung out with him in his studio all the time. Because (laughs) he, when we were kids, he didn't say, oh, you guys should be artists or this is the best. Even though we saw him loving what he did. We saw the... Uh, how it connected with other people. We And like all of my dad's friends, most of them were artists. And when we traveled, we did art things. You know, it's like this is, was our lifestyle. It was living an artistic lifestyle. Hmm. Um, but um, as far as like, so it wasn't until I got past school to think, when I look back and think, oh, my gosh, you had the biggest influence on my life. You know and what I did but I'm also I approach things differently than Emily does and differently than my dad does in technique I'm a little more I sculpt with paint because I have to find things in the paint I'm a little Mm. less organized a little more uh aggressively passionate at some sometimes and um in the later years of my you know, career, we spent a lot of time painting together in the studio. He, lives just down, he, would live, he lived just down the street from me. So I would go over a couple of days a week, and we would paint and listen to books on CD and work together. And, of course, that's going to, whether I recognize it or not, influence the way I painted and what I was painting. It was it's, a good time.
0: It's, it, I've been reading this book um, that has nothing to do with art. I didn't think so until this moment perhaps, but it's called Carpe- It's called Gardeners Not Carpenters and it's a parenting book about um, and I am not a psychologist in any way <laughs> and I'm going to do a, ter- a terrible job um, describing this, but um, the woman is a, a psychiatrist who practiced for 30 years in family um, therapy but then she also does a kind of Malcolm Gladwell-esque <laughs> meta data dive into things that she saw and uses her own anecdotes and the premise of the book is that Parenting as a verb is something that's really only existed since the 1960s, and that that has a mentality with it of you can be a carpenter and force your child into a particular shape, right? You can you can cut them up. You can say I'm going to build a shed. You're in charge. I'm going to measure twice. I'm in charge. I'm going to make this happen. And she said, No, no, no. The research is showing that in fact. Parents have very little effect on the future careers and happiness of their children. Only the very worst or the very best. So even if you come from a very abusive family, yes the children may may be influenced by it, but research shows that it it doesn't or you can come from like a very s- remarkably machine-like success machine of a family and it it may or may not have an effect on you. Instead, she says we need to adopt the mentality of it's like gardens. Your kids are seeds, you can't turn a watermelon into a bean, right? They're going to be something. So with that preamble and uh, on uh, the thing that is very difficult to to unpackage, is this idea of yeah you, you were influenced, but uh, did he assume you were going to be an artist? No. <laughs> and 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 also <laughs> did he have an opinion? And I'm not asking because his opinion matters more than than anyone in particular. But it is this kind of did he ever adopt the carpenter mentality, or and was he a I gardener? I
2: think
1: he did. Yeah, I no, think he was I don't think a gardener. so. And if anything, it seemed like he was surprised. Really? Yeah, that two of his children, two of the five, became artists.
0: Well, it it is somewhat surprising, right? I mm-hmm. mean, if you're an artist, how, how much do you expect your children to... I think even artists are some of the ones who are the hardest on whether it's a practical thing to become an artist or not, right?
2: Yeah, that was my mother's role.
0: Really? <laughs> Say yeah. more about that.
2: Well, she. I remember I was just talking to Emily about this as well, that she would... When I was getting out of high school, she was like, you need an occupation, you need a skill, you know, you should work at a doctor's or a dentist's office, because that was logical to her, even though she was married to a successful artist, you know, but I actually went into school my freshman year saying, I am going to major in physical therapy, because that is really logical, that will be a nice, you know, put some money on the table, whatever, and then I looked at the, I remember looking at my class schedule my freshman year saying, I don't want to do any of this i want to do art classes and i hadn't done art classes in high school i had been creative and was building and Doing stuff, but I didn't put it in that. You know, I wasn't the high school artist. Do you know want to know who our high school artist was? It was actually John McNaughton. went oh, to My high really? school. Of all the random things, but he was the football player. Really, not mostly because his dad was our football coach. Anyway, yeah, no comment. Com- no comment. Back story. <laughs> Just, I mean, it's one of those fascinating things. You're like, well, yeah, in high school, you really can't tell what's, you know, where people are going. Really. Well, though, I did win the high school art. She awards. did. Yeah. yeah, that was really Maybe exciting. A for me. but.
0: <laughs> If that's not true, not then why is it on your website?
2: Oh, that's you a good really point. <laughs> Waterford that. High School
1: Class '96 um, Art Award. I was proud. I was so proud, and I saw the potential but that potential. that triggered her. something in me. That's that's really? when I thought, oh, maybe I should study that when I go really? to college. So was
0: there Emily turning to you? Mm-hmm. Was there a resistance to becoming an artist in your mind? Are, where do you fit in in the five? By the way, I'm the youngest. Okay, so there's this there's the saying that the oldest child takes what they want. The youngest child cries till they get it, and the middle child does without.
2: Well, <laughs> I don't cry very much. He <laughs> didn't cry. No, she's. No, it's it's a somewhat unfair. Months. I'm
0: the youngest child. I'll admit to some crying until I got <laughs> it. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> but there
0: is a little bit of, of ambivalence when you're the youngest child. Of oh, I can, I can often. It's it's a different attitude than the than the eldest child. Did you have a different attitude? Well, I, than I I needed I needed to, to assert our,
1: my identity. Ah. And that was my big thing. I wanted to be taken seriously. I wanted to um, be my own person. And so I actually strayed into BYU. I knew I needed to do art. I knew I wanted to study art. I actually um, got in the design department because I thought, oh, I just need to be creative, but I've got to do something different. And I stepped one foot into the the Brim Hall building, Mm -hmm. right? And I turned around and walked back out and said, these are not my people. I am not. <laughs> what was it that, I it not was, that, that made there. you
0: say they weren't your people? Well,
1: it was really more computers and, and a different sort of ah. thinking and using other people's ideas to make an image. And I needed, I, I was learning that what I needed was to express what's mm. inside me. And it took me a lot of years to figure that out. Were but you, then I went into sculpture. Really? Uh-huh. Um, and I was, I, Brian Christensen signed on as my um, BFA advisor. And half, I did that for half of my college education.
0: What was the other half?
1: Well, I got married halfway through. Okay. And I kind of looked around and I kind of went, okay, I love the big machinery. I love sandblasting and lost wax and bronze and welding. And I love doing this. Because when I went into 3D, I, half the building's ceramics. And that's where all the women are. The other half is sculpture. That's where all the men are. And I couldn't handle that, so I did sculpture. You know,
0: you couldn't handle. The I couldn't handle wipes. that
1: divide. Uh. I had to do something about that. But um, I love doing sculpture. But then, you know, when I kind of thought, oh, I, I have to do something when I'm done with school, and I can't take this stuff with me, and I, I don't know where I'm going to live. I, you know, am I going to work for a foundry? No. Um, and that's why
0: when not, I why not work for a foundry. Well,
1: my husband was going to apply to dental school. He didn't end up doing that, but long story, but that was where we were at then. Yeah. And it was, I'm going to live somewhere for two years, somewhere else for orthodontic school. And what am I going to do? And I foundries need to make are, are few
0: and far between. So it's not like a you can necessarily a count on relationship
1: And that whole thing. And so yeah. I kind of went, oh, I've got to paint. Also, um, and, you know, this was a. 20 year old me but i thought sculpture's too easy <laughs> you're taking a three-dimensional object and representing it three-dimensionally where painting
0: oh boy i can hear some people saying those, I are, know, those are fighting I know, words
1: i know i'm telling you it was a naive version of me and i I'd, I'd like to get back into sculpture and be challenged but but i just thought painting has endless endless challenges when you, you've got color and you've got Representing three-dimensional things and all, I thought that's a lifelong challenge. And so I went back into painting um, and just thought i've got to I've got to just go in being me. And Cass was in graduate school. My other sister was studying art, history, and art education. My dad was teaching, although he retired after my freshman year. but you know, it had that whole reputation was there, and that was a little bit intimidating. And I just had to say, forget it I'm just going to go figure out my thing
0: hmm. was part of the reason you went for sculpture because it wasn't what somebody yeah. in the family was doing yeah
1: it was going to be my
0: yeah you are going to own that yeah yeah Yeah. that's what your father taught uh, there's this huge divide for those who don't know we've occasionally brought it up in, in discussions we've had in the past in the podcast that uh, that there's this illustration studio culture divide that happens at BYU and your father where did he lie in that
1: He was in both. He founded the illustration. That's how he got into BYU. Yeah. Because his his
0: career, if you were to look at it, was not easily definable in one category. Mm -hmm. Right. And and so his teaching was similar, you're saying. And and I guess, you know, that that then leads me to and both of you have careers as Painters, I hate to make the distinguish between, I almost said fine artist and illustrator. I don't see those as bright line differences in the same way. Good. But it seems like you take the same kind of of, of, uh, of uh, omnivoric approach to art yourselves that you have a very broad skill set that you approach almost like he does. Is that a, a, a fair thing to say? Yeah,
2: I mean, my last two projects have been doing costume and set design for Utah Metropolitan Ballet, and I got to do two ballets. That's mm. huge. It is huge. And it was different and it was exciting to wow. get all of you know my skill set that I've acquired and putting it into something else so
0: how was it like okay I'm gonna stop you there for a second okay. because there are a lot of artists who I am in love with where you have people like um, a lot of the 19th century academic artists were doing enormous scene paintings yeah and then you have people like Picasso who's working right. with Dagilev and, and, and to do big big set work and it seems like for most artists that kind of monumental work is no longer is no longer something that a lot of artists get to do. What was that like? That was the most
2: exciting and most fun project i've ever how did you get involved in it Um, my daughter was studying ballet with jacqueline college
0: okay and
2: it is in utah valley based okay and she and she's fantastic and one day she said to me when i was in there I mean they were familiar with my artwork and familiar with me as an artist and they said are you interested would you be interested in doing set design for snow white the new ballet we're going to be doing with an original, you know, music, blah 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 blah, and I said, "Can I do the costumes too?" <laughs> Not knowing when I was really getting myself. Because She would think they would all be of the piece. costumes, all, and then somebody
1: yeah. creates off of her drawing and watercolor, almost like, right. yes, exactly.
2: So brilliant, cool. brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Sue Ellen Baum did the costumes, like she would follow like a line like I she would if I had a line in something she'd stitch it there add things but she had a knowledge as well of how fabric worked and what you know and ballet dancers like where their movement is so I would have to redesign some things because I was naive about the whole thing I didn't know what legs were or proscenium before I started so I was starting from the bottom up you know, but oh my gosh, it was so fun, and it was the collaboration of the music and the dancers and the choreography and.
0: What's the, the word that uh, Wagner, not my favorite person, who what what was the word he used for? Um, opera is the total work. It was the total work. Was
2: just like. Mm mind-blowing um it was so fun and and being able to use what i do in painting on in a set so like snow white you know she's in her celestial blue color and everything else is in reds and you know warmer colors around her and then she you know transforms into gold and in the proscenium i have her mother is the center of the proscenium who's you know passed away before it starts but in the scary parts she'd light up so that, you know, it's all about good and evil, the battle of good and evil through the whole thing symbolically for me wow. and in the story. So it was just like,
0: wow. Did you get to, it probably changes the way that you look at other ballets and, and, and yeah. big productions. I and
2: had already there. just because of boredom, okay. I had redesigned sets and costumes always. And you but did, in my mind, I was getting ready. I didn't know what I was going to be doing.
0: When you talk with, um, you, you've you Refer. You've uh, uh, alluded to this a little bit, but when you have conversations with people like uh, sculptors, for instance, they. They have something in their mind, and then it quickly runs up against the reality of it needs to be broken apart and then re-pieced together as a bronze piece. And you have to worry about undercuts, and you have to worry about all of these material, physical conditions. You had to run into the fact that things actually had to be sewed, right? They actually right. had to fit right. on somebody whose legs and arms are moving. Um, how steep of a learning curve was that for you?
2: Um, I was doing a lot of redos. Yeah. <laughs> I really was, because yeah. I cut the costumes on there. Like, which well, how can you do this? it any other way, right? You right. have to learn these things. Right. And then when I designed, like, and here's the set for. I also did Nutcracker after that. But here's the set for Nutcracker, and there, and I have all these doors that they come out of to do in Act Two, and some of the doors were like three and a half feet tall. I mean, that's those are the learning curve things. where I'm like, ooh.
0: Very few ballet companies or opera companies have the ability to store sets and costumes that are made, right. so they they either repurpose or destroy them what happened to yours? Stored. Stored. They, yeah. They kept so them. we'll
2: do Snow White again in the near future. But so weird. Nutcrackers a chance to every see year. Them? Yeah.
0: That's fabulous. Yeah. And
2: you want to. They're so beautiful. It's fun. Nutcracker is still a work in progress to me because there's so many things. It has so many. It was over 70 costumes I designed for that. Oh, my God. And heavens. to keep all those together, Snow White just worked. Oh, but my Snow, heavens. But Nutcracker, I feel like I'm still like, oh, we need some turquoise in Act Two and some contrast in this, you know, it's too pink over here. And so I still feel, I'll I go in. Every year and work on it. I want to see the Cassandra Barney. It will be at the Covey this year in Provo. I mean, Um, that is... It's it's really... It was fun. And reimagining how it should work. Like, the story's so wacky. And the research for all of it, for Snow White, too. It's fun.
0: Yeah. You know, the greatest thing about opera and ballet is that somebody can be stabbed and sing about it for 20 minutes. Yes, they should be. And ballet, I mean, it's totally unrealistic and bizarre. The story is bizarre, which then you would imagine as a visual artist then gives you more freedom rather than less i mean the confines of unreality or the lack of confines that probably is a very freeing experience
2: it was it was with snow white and then it was with nutcracker especially because that story has changed the original story has pretty much nothing to do with what we're watching Hmm. it's we've everyone has made it their own and changed it so that gave me a lot of freedom and i wanted to to be more logical a little bit between scene one and scene two i mean i just it was so much fun and i'll tell you that snow white one of my sweetest moments with my dad is him sitting there um watching snow white because he was doing chemo during that time mm. and he would come and he's like he was the first person to volunteer to help me so emily came in mm-hmm. saved the day because we're last minute like oh, i don't know if i can do this emily and my dad helped me uh, paint on it but my dad just tears rolling down his face when he saw Snow White on the stage. Cause he's like, "This is beautiful. I'm so proud of you." Beautiful moment of having your dad proud of you. I mean, what's you know? At the end of it all, that was the only thing that mattered.
0: How how long ago did he pass away?
1: Two, Two and a half years.
0: years. Yeah. And today's his birthday. And today's his yep. birthday. Yep. We didn't plan that. No. <laughs> it was his birthday. You did a piece, Emily, that was in the international, the church's international show
1: mm-hmm.
0: that um, referred, to, you, you, you referred to your father in his passing, right?
1: Yeah, Sorrow and Hope. And, um, you know, losing a loved one, you learn so much, right? You ask so many questions and go through so many emotions. And what surprised me about that feeling of loss and sorrow and sadness was that there was a sweetness to it. And I don't know how else to call that but hope, Hmm. you know, but you honor a life and you honor the love that you receive from this person and everything they gave. And then you have the hope that you're going to see him again and it's going to be beautiful. And all that wrapped in the loss is a really... Tender, amazing, sweet thing.
0: One of the things that I found so fascinating, not about your work in relationship to the other works that were in the show, and this is something that um, I've heard other people point out since talking about the show, is that there seemed to be, uh, uh, and talking with Lara Tato, who who uh, helped, or, who was the organizer of the show then, and then the curator for the church um, at the Church History Museum. Uh, they never know what they're going to get. Mm-hmm. There's, there, things are submitted to the show. And it seems like after the fact, uh, some themes seem to kind of come to the surface. And one of them seemed to be um, mourning mm-hmm. and hope. came out of it and there were several images by women artists of individual female figures that dominated almost in baroque proportions which would be like uh, you know they 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 filled the entire canvas one woman who was the symbolic representation of an emotion a powerful emotion and and your piece stood out to me as being one that that from across the room you could see this figure, and it, it was a complex series of emotions that, that seemed to come out of it. And I, I, wonder, I wonder sometimes, when you do a piece that's that personal, how much do you tell people about it versus let them have their own reaction?
1: Right, and that's a good question, you know, because you want them to be able to have their own reaction, and that's always hard with when you write about your art or explain it. For one, that half the time it sounds trite. Oh, this is about being sad and having hope when you feel like there's so much more depth to it to just put it in words but Mm -hmm. also you want people to be able to have their own emotional reaction and if you do it really well right they're gonna have a powerful emotional reaction without you having to explain it Mm -hmm. That's hard to do.
0: There's a there's a quote um, there's an interview I can't remember exactly where it was. If I get the I'll just paraphrase it. Where Andy Warhol was uh, being asked by a group of jur- journalists by what uh, what he meant by a particular work, and he said, "Well, if I wanted to write it, I'd be a journalist and not a mm-hmm. and not a and not a visual artist." And but it, even though I think that is a very powerful thought, I've met people who are comfortable doing both. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I've met people who are just as good at talking about their work and I've met people who don't want to ever explain what it is. That piece, it seems like you you're kind of forced to in an environment like that to write something about it. Mm-hmm. It's part of the submission process, right. right? Right. And and you know they're going to put it up. But you know, if it was your own way, do you like to explain your work, or do you not I like do. to explain I your work? I think
1: the explanation enhances the work. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I'm totally comfortable with somebody saying, here's what I got out of this painting, and it's not what I intended. Hmm. I, I hope that I could write in a way that explains, here's where I'm coming from, here's what I felt, here's what this is about for me, while leaving room for, but you can be whatever you want it to be. Hmm you can pick and choose or you can have your own thing hmm. it's open to that but just to guide you along here's a title maybe that gets you thinking because i love it when somebody they'll look at a painting and they'll think oh that's pretty that's nice and then they'll read the title and then they'll go back and look at it again oh okay you know, and maybe beyond that, an explanation. So you
0: see it as a potential aid that's, that's often necessary for 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 aiding that process of reflection yeah. for the person. How,
1: mm-hmm. do you,
0: how do you, where do you lie on that spectrum?
2: Mm, about, Sandra? I think the same. Really? Because I think sometimes if I... Outlet, you can't
0: steal your sister's yeah. answer.
2: I was just going to, you know what I was really thinking? I was thinking, <laughs> Emily's a good, thoughtful writer. She always has been. So I like reading yours on your artworks. And on mine... Like my piece in the church show is a single female figure as well. And I but it was writing about the symbols and the things in it that helped tell the story that people might not pick out. But exactly this I am I am stealing your answer. It was a good answer.
0: <laughs> it was a good answer. You know? It was a good answer. I um I feel like um I want to go back to something you said at the very beginning of the interview where your father um, instilled in you the importance of symbols and, 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 and uh, uh, concepts. And, and I know that I'm massacring that replaying. But there is there's an interesting and I don't want this interview to be about your father, but I do think that it's an interesting din- dynamic. He represents an interesting dynamic within our culture, which is, it seems like another bright line issue. People who are figurative classists like to adopt him. And then people who are um, conceptual artists like to adopt him it's as well. Fantasy sci-fi. Fantasy sci-fi is is a th- a kind of a third mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. A third leg to that, right? And and both of you, um, if I were to put all three of your, uh, and I don't know if we could pick a representative work from the, from the output of all three of you, um, but it, it wouldn't it, it wouldn't be entirely clear that you're all the same family, no. right? You know what? right? go ahead.
2: Oh, one of the things I think that he he over and over get again would say is that he was really proud of us and really pleased that we didn't copy his style. We weren't little hymns, mm. that we were our own voice, our own style and you could tell a similarity but not but there was a difference. Um, in all three of our works he'd say that many times like oh some, you know, I'm so glad you guys just don't copy what I do. You've found your own
0: well, and I'm sure that comes along with a different practice of art. You probably grew up seeing someone who practiced a particular way, a method that he had developed over a very long time. And I guess what one of the questions I want to ask, and we'll use the works that are going in the Certain Women Art Show as an example, of uh, from soup to nuts, how you create a work of art, from concept Till final work. And let's start with you, Cassandra.
2: Well, and I want to say too that there's also that huge issue of he was a man (laughs) in a different role in a different time. And we raised children in the studio with us while we were painting that affects our technique right there
0: oh yeah yeah because and, i'm and
2: painting five minutes five minutes at a time sometimes like i did that
0: well let's let's say more about that because I, I you know there's so many people if you were talking about writers here you would say oh i want to be just like ernest hemingway i want to write 500 words a day and and then um and then the next day i'll revisit it I'll send it to my editor well yeah and he would go fishing the rest of the day right you didn't have that. Did you look... No. Did you try and shoehorn in the beginning an ideal practice into an uh, uh, le- what your actual life was like?
2: Well, uh, it was... It's different because I, I mean, when I first started, before I had children, it was like, I would paint when I was in the mood to paint and feeling creative. Like, it was like this whole dramatic young thing to do. Like, I'm feeling this, you know, I get feeling it right now. And then when I had children, it was either you quit painting. Or you figure out how to do this in a different way, and I learned really fast that I needed to be efficient in some things, and I needed to have be able to be okay in chaos, um, and work seriously. Like even my husband's an artist as well, and he he always says, you know, he's like, I need at least two hours, or I just can't get in the groove. You know, if I'm working on something like that. Like that you're really she kind of laugh of at him when he think said that I of like, Wanted, oh, he yeah knows, yeah, like, Like that's such knows. a luxury. He's like, yeah, whatever. Well no, he he's great about because he's just and my dad too, he he's like, I'm just amazed that you can do this because you can do twenty minutes, five minutes. I would and I had to make up a system of think at night about look at the paintings, look what I'm working on. When I'm too tired to paint, look and make a plan. then Would next you morning, would
0: you would you have like a sketchbook or was this a like a mental plan?
2: I always, we always have sketchbooks, mm-hmm.
0: always. What do they look and like? They would, are they, are they like totally indecipherable to other people or are mm, they?
2: No, no but, but mine has uh, a lot of notes. Mine has a lot of notes in a lot of it too of now. Words. Okay. And, 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 and it's and random. Crazy thumbnails, sketches. And and dumb, dumb, I'm not going to really publish. Embarrassing anything. things.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> I want to I back up over, it's not just, and uh, it's not just that you had children and that you were being an artist. You were also a teacher. Right, I taught, and you were, in gr- yeah. and you did graduate school. Yeah, and so it's 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 not you're. A lot of people can't teach and paint, let alone yeah. have children. Teaching and paint. was
2: probably the hardest one because after teaching all day, I was more tired than even graduate school. You're in the groove, you know, right. you're doing that and it's expected. Teaching was it was a challenge to keep doing any artwork, so I would keep my, you know. A little, my toe in the water, but it wasn't until after teaching, and I had, then I had two kids, thought, oh, I have to quit teaching now, that's what people do. Came home, (laughs) and then a year later said, okay, kids, we're going to graduate school. This is going to be a blast. And they, and it it worked, it, you know, it was, felt like the right thing to do. My family was supportive, and that was great, so... It worked. And I don't think what's right for me is right for everybody. I want to clarify that. Yeah. And I I
0: changed subject a little bit. I want to also, I want to keep going. You said you'd look at a painting at night. Okay.
2: So I look at night and say, okay, this is what this painting needs. Oh my gosh, I need to fix that. I need to fix that. Oh, I think this painting's about something that is a little bit different than what I started with. You know, so it's like the thinking part is at night. Because you can't think and do that quiet process, you know, be in tune when you have chaos does it in that
0: way uh, um force you to be reflective in a way that somebody who's got all of the indulgence and time probably
2: to not be. i had to be reflective then you know, okay. it's like, okay, be reflective, sit and look at this. Then work time. This is one of my kids were a little younger because now I'm an empty nester of three weeks. But um, Congratu- we, could t- we could congratulations have a whole podcast yes. about that. <laughs> I'm not even joking. <laughs> um, I want a pamphlet. <laughs> like, um, this is how you're feeling now. I need that, but maybe for another time. Okay, yeah. Um, i But then you. during the, you know, d- while they would go to school, it was like paint for your life. Or if there were kids in the studio, it's like, okay, we're not doing laundry every day. We're doing laundry twice a week because I need to spend that time working every minute that I can work. And then business, while they're doing their homework, I'd be on the computer doing business. What business? Business, art business. I mean, that takes you know a quarter of your time at least, if not half, is business. So
0: you, uh, I mean, I think that, that, uh, and this is something we talk a lot about in the podcast. It's just this really practical part that... You have to sell your work. You do. Right? And we don't live in a culture that is um, has a super over-muscular gallery environment, right. right? So to whom are you selling and under what conditions? Are you doing it online? Are you doing it through... Are, are you selling multiples to say... Are you doing commissions? What are...
2: I did all of those. I've done all of those things. I've run that gamut because at that time it was do print shows at some galleries, and I would actually travel with my dad to do those. Emily got in at the very tail end of that, but that was we were kind of phasing out of that. Mm. So you kind of, but that's how I started. Then it was originals at some shows, but it was all through galleries at that point. Did people know that you were? James's daughter. Um, They would so (laughs) we would have shows where it was like it was about me as an individual and about him. We'd have some shows. We'd go out and they'd have my name was the you know James Christensen is visiting our gallery and his daughter Cassandra really little at the bottom. Like we've done that, and the people who collect his work don't necessarily collect my work. So, but the galleries that I stuck with, that I kept you know building my audience over time. They liked me for me, and they loved that we were connected. Cause he was charming and adorable. So uh, how did
0: how did you? I mean, I I know a lot of this is probably ancient history, but how did your ego handle the the, the being with your father and the the just the the idea that here he was in a very different stage of his career. You're at the beginning. Probably the desire to distance yourself and have your own relationship, but you also love him and you no, also probably admire Being him. Together at
2: shows was fun. Was it? Yeah, it was really fun. Just like with with Emily too. If I do a show with Emily, we have so much fun. You know, we it's do. just enjoyable. We have so much
0: fun. I I work with my father. Sometimes I love him. Sometimes I uh-huh. want to kill him, and he wants <laughs> to kill me. Right? We would just this...
2: out in the gallery setting, and in all of that. We it mostly was just. We were on the same sort of rhythm and same sort of needs, and we would play off each other, and we would have a good time. I mean, you know, alone, too, like just traveling. We would have fun. So
0: when so. you would do a work, um, did you always um, sketch it out beforehand, think about it, come back to it, and then would you prime your canvas or or your your, no. your surface and then <laughs> and then dive into you, know, you work off of a series of esquices and then and then develop your way up to a final work or would you dive right into all the prima would you what would you do
2: i'm more i'm more of a dive in kind of girl but sometimes i'll have my idea like an idea that i'm like oh i heard this you know this idea of you know your name is safe in my mouth in a church talk in sacrament meeting and i'm like oh i love that so much it's about trust and blah 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 and i would go home and sketch different versions of it and then paint want to paint one of those. Um, but then sometimes th- it goes the other way where it's like I start painting and then I'm like this just turned into something else. Interesting. And mm-hmm. that's what i So So mine are all... She is far more organized and she doesn't get messy in her studio. I and paint I'm gonna get And I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna get to
0: Emily. I'm going to ask the same question.
2: Every second. You're
0: but good I, like that. But I want to... Uh, how productive were you at that period when you had children and you're selling your own work? You're probably traveling. It seems like there was probably some pressure to to get ready for a particular
2: event. Mm-hmm. And so you did have to have pieces. Yeah. How, how That pro- drove my schedule was... Uh, events like you know you have four solo shows this year so i had to you know really be organized i w- i was more productive than i am now i'll be honest
0: were you faster like, than i
2: was faster huh. cuz i don't know i was like i had i was in that rhythm and that energy of Faster and then for the last three years and then I started stepping when my kids were teenagers I started stepping back a little bit So I could be home more because with all of that came a lot of travel and I knew I needed I felt it It It's like you need to be home more now. So I pulled back from some galleries that I wasn't necessarily You know wanting to work with and wasn't as you know Did Did that change your work?
0: Uh, that l- stage? yeah
2: that oh. How? Sure. Because I could do things then that I wouldn't necessarily do now. Like if an artwork was a little more painful, like, <laughs> like a little more dramatic, a little more negative, a little more about painful things. It's easier. It was so much easier for me to sell those than if I'm doing something that's uplifting, symbolic, beautiful, and you have to work for it. Or it's just more positive. I don't know. It was like a, there was a different... They were different things, and so I could paint more of those faster, Hmm. even though I love them. I look back and go, oh, yeah, that was really cool, but I don't want to do that now. It doesn't feel like the right thing to do now.
0: So for this particular work you've done Mm -hmm. for the show, so I've got a – it's behind you, so I can see it. The work that you've created for the Certain Women show, and we should say that they gave you kind of a homework assignment, right? Right. This is are all original works of art by by 90 Latter-day Saint women artists, and they chose a particular theme. How did they state that to the two of you? And then I'm going to come. I'm going to come to you, Emily, after we talk about Cass's work, and ask you about your process. Mm-hmm. But I want to I want to ask both of you the question in general of like, how did they position this? to you as an idea of creating the work and how did you feel about give, being given a homework assignment? So,
1: yeah, it was it was definitely challenging to write your own personal statement. Yeah. That because was my hardest part because I'm still working on that It, it
0: came from this uh, President Nelson during the last Women's Conference which now happened every October. He said, I, I want everyone here within the sound of my voice probably something in those terms to say uh, to to look at the relief society's purpose statement and then come up with your own personal purpose statement as you reflect on that did i get that right yeah, yeah. and the show yeah. opens okay. in
2: a real how soon my statement is still in progress because i've sent one in and i'm like oh, oh it's, that's not quite it that is really hard we have to pretend this really is the future hard. because this will come oh, out, out after okay. this, this podcast whatever i wrote was really <laughs> challenging i'll tell you what um, i'll tell you what i did on mine real quick so we can move to emily um but on mine, I had re- I had uh, several ideas, so I like an assignment like that because it's open enough. I don't feel confined. It's just mm. like, oh my gosh, let's explore this idea. So I read this quote in uh, that book at the pulpit, that's in our history section of our you know church ma- materials now. Yeah, um, there was this Julia Cruz Howe quote that she said, and she starts off her talk. I um, she said, I do not wish to be a drone in the hive of Deseret. And I read that, and it just resonated with me for m- on many levels of I want to be an individual but still uh, learn to be obedient. I want to... Um, you know, and a, a drone, a drone impregnates the, Oh, first of all, they're male, so there's that. But there's, you know, impregnates the queen, and they're kind of, it can be symbolically sort of... It's a of
0: matriarchal a, society. It is, better. it is
2: indeed. Yeah. And I wish I've always thought that was kind of fun. <laughs> um, a non-worker, idler, sluggard kind of, you know, idea of this, you know, what a drone is. Plus... You know, because we're we're blessed with all these gifts and talents and challenges, and we should be able to use those to help others and figure out what they were and learn from that what they are and learn from those. And so, as I thought of it, I thought that's part of, I and mean, that's a great part of what I believe. And so, and it's not trying to be something that you're not. And it's not just giving in. And, and you know, like we forged our own way. You know, in my life, I had my dad as my example, but I didn't have a female role model of like, you can do this, you know, keep going. This is how this can work. I didn't have that. I just had to figure it out as I went, reevaluate, you know, fail failures and successes and figure it out, but solve the problems as I went. And so anyway, that was the gist of my painting. It's got, I didn't write this anywhere, so only, you, only people listening right now will know. Not this about my painting, but it's got dogwood petals all around the figure. And dogwood, I read, is the you know, the wood that they used for Christ's cross came from a dogwood tree. Don't know if it's actually true or not, but I like that idea of like this through Christ, she becomes who she is as an individual, as a queen. She's got the bee with her and she's just calm through that. Is she a particular person? She is not. She could be any of us. I like that sometimes. People often ask me that. You know, who's your model? I'm like, I just sort of made this up. I just made this up because I want it to be any of us. Yeah. So yeah. that's the gist of it.
0: it. It reminds me a lot of um, 17th century... Um, Dutch paintings where you have like Rubens, who mm-hmm. will maybe do mm-hmm. the, the figure in the center, <laughs> uh-huh. and Sagers will do the floral work on the exterior, or maybe Bruegel will do something like that. It is uh, it, 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 the, d- the device, which I, I see uh, uh, in your work a lot, that you, um, you like to use not only figurative work, but you have a lot of symbolic language you use. How much do you describe that usually?
2: I usually give some of that in the description or write about some of that online a little bit, but some of it I don't, you know, because it's just, oh, you know, I I get the level of like, yeah, this is what it's about, but some of that I don't think we need to know. It's just clutter. How do you know when you're done? Um, When it's time to turn it in. Really? Yeah, because I can wreck stuff, because I can overwork it. That was one of my (laughs) things my dad would say, if you could just take your brush away from you at the right time. (laughs) <laughs> um, but, yeah, pretty well, much. What, what
0: is that? I mean, because there, is this, there is this notion, especially if you're somebody who likes impasto, which I can see that you do, yeah. the, the buildup of paint on things, you could... I could, work on texture I for your entire and it, life.
2: And the painting will change and evolve. And I can do that for a long, long yeah. time.
0: So you almost have to have somebody walk in and take it mm-hmm. off your easel yeah. and say, okay, it's due. Yeah. Right. Cassandra. It's due. We're but taking it. In the other
2: room, it. it's got to dry, so you've got to get it And you out just here. let
0: it go. Uh-huh. If anybody, have you ever had your pieces come back to you and you touch them up? Because you want to keep working no, on it. No, I've them. had
2: crackle. I've had to touch up because crackle. Oh, I'm
0: not talking about condition out. issues. Oh. I'm talking about this idea of like um, like, you see, you, sure, sure. Yeah. like you, you see it on a friend's wall. Yeah. Like you see it on a friend's wall and you're like, you know
2: what? Can I borrow that? I do I have one that? of those right now. My friend and, and she lives in Sacramento and she's got one that's got a bad hand on it. I, I know exactly what it looks like. And every time I've been in her house, I'm like, oh, I need to work on that. And she probably doesn't she notice at all. She thinks it's awesome, you know, because it's yeah. funny because she's known me my whole life. So it's just. And fun. she's
0: probably right. Uh-huh. And you're probably. Uh-huh. Right, too. Thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, okay. Emily, mm. title of your work
1: um, for the women's Sisters Women in show. Zion.
0: How did you land on that?
1: Um, well, I had when I when I got the email to be in this certain women's show. Um, and
0: it is an invitational for those who invitation. don't know. yeah.
1: And I, I had just read the Relief Society purpose statement because I had just been called as Relief Society president, which I give out that information to readily, but I'm just endlessly entertained by the fact that I am a Relief Society <laughs> president. I think it's
2: awesome. Like, I
1: just can't. It's so, I think it's hilarious, but, um, so you, I was you in. And you
0: live in Arizona, right? Uh-huh. Okay. We're in Mesa,
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I was in a place of thinking about my role and and the Relief Society and everything. And so it, the painting kind of came from there. Um, do you want me to read my statement? Please. I've got mine. I wrote mine. Good job. Before <laughs> it was that. due.
0: You get 50 <laughs> extra I know. points. Yeah, I know. Yeah. They're not worth anything, but you get them. Yeah,
1: thank you. <laughs> so, okay. So I said, as a sister in Zion, I celebrate my angelic errand to comfort, support, and be with those in need. Charity is giving service because you love God and you love God's children, serving when no one is watching and there's no expectation of reward. I would be a conduit for God's pure love to pour out upon others.
0: That's beautiful. So So the painting
1: has the two female figures and one is simply braiding the other's hair, which I find very comforting having my pay my children to play with my hair because I think it's very soothing (laughs) and comforting. Hmm. But... But the the figure that it has having her hair braided is looking away, and it's not this acknowledgement of you're doing this for me. It's just something you're doing out of charity, you know, hmm. service.
0: Both of them seem to be looking in in in. Uh, they're not making a visual connection with one another, even though they've got a physical connection. Yeah. And, and uh, it's, it, it makes me feel like they're looking internally. And mm-hmm, maybe I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm yeah, reading sure. into that. But it's, that's, it's a hard thing to do to put people in a, in a, in a work and, and not try and look at what they're looking at. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at this, I didn't do that. I immediately looked, thought, what are they thinking? Yeah. And, and it makes me. And there's an
1: action and a connection and they're touching, but yes. they're not, yeah, visually looking at each other.
0: It seems like um, there is a great deal of design that goes on in this 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 work that you've got here. How? What kind of preparatory work do you do when you make a work?
1: Yeah, in comparison to Cass's process, I do all she does. Just I, I do a lot more organizing.
0: What does that mean? I How's that show I up? I
1: take pictures uh, so I can paint from reference. Um, these are two. They're actually twins. These are sisters. I so when this.
0: you take pictures. Do you bring them in for I a session, and in. do you dress them?
1: Uh, not necessarily. I end up changing all those details.
0: Okay, so, so on some level, you're just looking for
1: expression, posture, Basic figure, posture, gesture. Okay, that sort of thing is what I try and and I'm not a great photographer, so a lot of it I put in. in no painting. one's here to
0: make you feel guilty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, so I organize it. I I get it all on on tracing paper. And so I can erase and manipulate and get it just so, and then I blow it up and transfer it onto the panel. So so where Cass might go straight in with a brush, I have everything organized and ready to paint.
0: So she's working with like a, a one inch wide brush and you're working with a three hair brush. Sure, yeah. By comparison. Yeah. <laughs> maybe not literally sure, but maybe but but, but you <laughs> are you are on on that kind of meticulous mm-hmm. level going mm-hmm. inch by inch through a piece do you end up uh, it seems like um, the colors are. One thing that is a difference between the two of you is that um, Cassandra, you seem like you go. You're very bright with your colors, and you're all out. And it's not that you're not bright. This piece, compared to other works that I've seen by you, Emily, yeah, it does have is color. is a more yeah. subdued palette.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How important is color in your in your work?
1: Um. How important is color? That in my may work? be the.
0: You know what? If that's a stupid well, question, you don't have to answer it. That's okay. <laughs> I
1: don't. I. I need. I need a lot of calming things in my life. I think I'm Why? very prone to anxiety. Okay. You know, I legit meditate, and I need stillness, and that's. That's getting all my kids in school made all the difference in my life and my sanity because. I had space to be still and to think. And I think that comes out a lot in my paintings where there may be a pattern and there may be a lot visually going on, but it's rhythmic, it's a pattern. And my colors might be a little monochromatic. Um, And I just, I think I crave calm and stillness so much that if I were to throw on, like you did your interview with Tanya, I'm her exact... I love her. Tony
0: Visconti. yeah. Yeah, I'm the exact her.
1: opposite. Like, my house needs to be gray <laughs> and black <laughs> and white. And
0: a if Dienish I Hougar. put in a
1: color, it's... You notice... Like, I can't wear red. Hmm. It gives me anxiety. So I think that... <laughs> except for maybe my shoes. But um, I think that shows in my paintings that I, I go for the serenity and calm and harmonious. This and seems
0: like a very different approach from... If I can get five minutes, I have to use it. It seems like you have to get into a different headspace.
1: Oh man. So
0: what do you do to get all into all the
1: little kids at home? I, I don't I have a big blank spot in my memory, I think I had PTSD. <laughs> From having three I have four, but at one time all three little girls were at home and it was it was really hard. What
0: well, did you did you paint during that time or did I you just did. say I'm i I always going to. had
1: something going but I was very frustrated. The sensation was a lot like feeling like I was sitting on my hands because hmm. every time I'd sit down to work somebody needed to be fed somebody diaper needed to be changed um, and so it would be five minute increments that about made me nuts because I had so much ready to burst out of me to create.
0: It would seem like on some level it would be helpful to have models in your life who are artists for this. You had mentioned, Cass, that it would have been nice to have a, a, a great model for this. But on some level, there really isn't an answer of, oh, so-and-so did X, Y, and Z. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Right. Because it's such a personal and our situation. And example,
1: being our dad, I always had this emotional, like I catch myself falling for this injustice like there's a way this should be and it's not being that way because I don't have a wife mm. and my mom took care of everything for all five kids all the bills all the she said we were talking about her role and she said don't forget I was a travel agent and I was you know she did all yeah, of that and then brought him bring lunch on a tray hmm. and nobody's nope, bringing me lunch Like some, there's some expectation that I catch myself having that's not being fulfilled. Oh, right. I have to go make my own lunch and a bunch of other people's lunches.
0: And do, and, and fulfill my creation, right? So it's, have you, have you come to a reconciliation of how to do that?
1: Well, um, is it a
0: process? Is it?
1: Well, all my kids are in school and now I have that space. Um, in my marriage, it took a lot of time because, you know, I got three kids Stephen and kind of raised my hand and said, um, this isn't working for me. Hmm. I have stuff I need to do and you just get to go to work every day. This is not fair.
0: How did your husband respond to that?
2: Did he well, did he it, get it?
1: You know, you kind of, you sign a, an unwritten contract when you get married in our culture, in our society that says his job is to provide, your job is to nurture. And, um... So I think he kind of looked at me like, I'm doing my job. I'm providing and and I'm working really hard for it because he does work really hard. And I just didn't know how to be fulfilled in that relationship. And so we've worked on it a lot and, you know, start using words like co-parenting and Hmm. balancing out. And what does it mean to support? If you tell me I support you, that means nothing. But that really doesn't mean anything gotta, right because it's you got to so, show me you got to do things that support me
0: i imagine on some level it your real frustration would have been really hard to articulate without an entire lexicon of teaching right right to say okay i need to be supported on the count of three support right right so you probably he probably needed to hear it and to be taught it and you probably needed to work on how you were going to articulate what you need to figure it out for
1: myself i didn't want to play into the trope of the crazy artist but i felt like the crazy artist yeah like there's a beast inside me that is Clawing its way out, <laughs> and I need to make art. Where um, are you? I just can't get to it.
0: Where are you in the process of having, of figuring it out?
1: Well, really doing really well. Um, I mean, you say
0: your kids are in school, but. Mm-hmm having kids in school doesn't mean it ki- doesn't mean that not a huge amount of your re- a huge amount of your resources time and otherwise are still going towards right. them i imagine sure, you're sure. getting them out the door they're getting not gone, they're ballet, they're not they're not gone until to, yeah. bedtime
2: right. right and she's
1: a relief society
2: president well, and there's yeah, that too. yeah
1: um yeah no we've just done a lot of give and take he he picks them all up i take them to ballet he picks them up kind of thing um we all clean together on saturdays I've been through phases where I've had people come in and clean but honestly I like cleaning my house. I like caring for my things and touching and feeling and but I need help because it's a big house and I so everybody participates and then we all kind of bond and just figuring out all that give and take and we do this together.
2: Can I ask her a question? Go for it. Um, do you need to be alone to work? Because oh I know my like gosh. my dad I needed, needed to, to be, be alone.
1: alone so much. And I need That's to be alone everything. partly. But you do I you really need to be
0: focused. Right? Yes. So what do you do for that then? If you if if you, Cassandra, can take five, ten minutes there, which boggles my mind that someone can do that, because I'm the kind of person who feels like I need two hours to get in into into something. How do you, Emily? get alone in, in, in and and work and and is there a magic time of day how do you do this
1: i'm a first thing in the morning kind of gal I well you know i do all my morning stuff and then everybody leaves and then i go in the studio and i just sit hmm. and think and then get to work how early um oh they're not all gone till nine
0: So it's after they've gone. You're not getting up at 4 a.m. and putting in a couple of hours before (laughs) that.
1: I like to exercise. I get up and get going. You exercise on top of that? I get up early. No, I'm telling you, it's an anxiety thing. I maintain my anxiety and stress by movement and stillness, and I need both of those things in heavy doses, and and then I'm fine. But... um, yeah. And I and then I have till noon and then my oldest will come home for lunch sometimes. And then I have till two forty five when they're done with school. And w- I'll go back in after they're home, but it's a different kind it's of it's a different kind of work.
0: So we're 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 near the end of time and I I don't know how to phrase this question that's occurred to me as we've been talking here. I'm gonna do my best, which is uh, you, Cassandra have been have been working professionally for quite some time. I think it says on your website that you, you did your master's. You graduated in 2000. Mm-hmm. So you've had time to develop your career, right? Yeah. Your kids are now gone. Um, you um, And you also worked somewhat closely with your, with your father for a period of years. You probably and you probably saw Emily develop her own career separately. And Emily, you are at a point where you do have your own career. You're doing work that is no longer just experimental. You're actually you're in shows on a regular basis. You've got your own your your own identity as an artist. When you two look at each other's work and your relationship and where you are now, um is it do you see things in in each other that you hadn't seen in each other before because you're finally at this point in your relationship? You know what I mean. I guess what I let me rephrase this: You're both adults now, and you both have your own identities. And your sisters, who are in the same career, is is this a, is this a surprising, unlikely thing? If you had looked back and somebody had told you 20 years ago. You're both going to be artists. You're both going to be doing different things. Is it, 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 do you sometimes surprise one another?
1: Well, it's super fun. I know. It's I'm phrasing that terribly. Rescue
0: my question.
1: But, well, first of all, advantage to the youngest child because I get to watch Cass and learn from her example and mistakes. And mistakes, sure. <laughs> but um, that's really, really benefited me. Um, to be able to go to her and say, ah, how'd you cope with this? How'd you do that? And just to watch her raise her three daughters and have a career at, at, at the same time. And and that's been really nice. But, yeah, I'm still learning from her. She's still she'll always, always going to be, be 10 years older. She'll always be
2: 10 years older. But but we do. I learn from her, too. And she's the person I can say, oh, my gosh, this is so bugging me, this issue with blah, 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 and this new policy, blah, blah, blah. And I, she's very wise for her age as well. So I think it's mutual.
0: And I, th- I think, and you did rescue my question. I think that I also have another way that I'd like to phrase it, which is, I think that we live in a different time than we did 15 or 20 years ago mm-hmm. when it came to, when it comes to being a, a, a female artist. Mm-hmm. And you happen to not only be around other female artists and seeing how they work, but you have each other. How does having each other change, um, and maybe this is more appropriate for you, Cassie, as a question, because you were, had a career before what feels like an era where it's more populated by women artists. Is that an accurate? Do you think yeah, that's Yeah, true? I'd say that's
2: accurate. Um, I told Emily this very morning that I was so grateful that I had someone that understood some of these challenges and issues because it's nice to have someone to bounce it off of and someone who really gets the the whole gamut of the joys, the glory, and the woe of this whole you know, career and who we are. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. And you know, what was neat too, I want to add real quick is that my dad at the end of his life, like w- when we were kids, we weren't, couldn't go in the studio unless we were on fire. Not if the studio was on fire or the house, we had to be on fire. That's what the rule was when he was working. Cause he needed to be undisturbed. And then in his later years, he evolved after he saw us work. And he said, Oh, I get it. I can have a little chaos around me sometimes, and we ended up putting in a table in a studio for grandkids that they could come in sometimes and work with him. And then I worked with him, and that was, you know, hilarious and chaotic and fun. But, um, but he evolved too and learned from us things as well, which was a, you know, that makes your heart warm. Going, oh, that was neat to
1: see that he was still growing and learning as he got older. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you have anything you wanted to add to that, Ellie?
1: I was just thinking of another story we talked about this morning where I was complaining, woe is me, that this is being hard for me to create the work I want to make and be a mom at the same time and all that business, and I just did it. told my dad, I could just quit painting today and never paint another painting. Nobody would notice. Nobody would care. It doesn't make any difference in the world, and I don't even need to do this. And he just looked at me and said, yeah, you do. He wasn't, he wasn't one to shower you with compliments or validate or anything, but that, that one little phrase, yeah, you do, was everything. Like, he got me. Like, Hmm. no, you're an artist and you need to create. Hmm. And that stuck with me. That's, I do need this and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if anybody buys my paintings. It doesn't matter if anybody thinks they're good or I don't need any praise or validation. I just need to make art. Mm -hmm. And I love that he understood that Mm -hmm. and saw that in me.
2: Yeah, and it wouldn't matter how much more time we were given, we would never have enough time because that's how much we like doing. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, there are so many ideas, mm-hmm. and, and I get so, butterflies.
1: I really, I just love it so much. Sometimes oh. sit down in front of a painting. And I get excited.
0: Butterflies. <laughs> I, I feel like talking with the two of you has been a long butterfly this whole time. It's just been. You're so kind. It's been such. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure talking <laughs> with you. Thank you for coming and joining me and for doing it together. I think. I think this is the way to do this, to have the two of you together. It would have been a completely Fine. different interview. Yeah. And I hope that we, you know, maybe one on one or maybe do this again another time.
2: We should. And I want to shout out to the ladies who organized the show oh, because such I'm, a great I'm that's a big undertaking and I'm yeah. grateful that they would spend that time to provide that for all of the world. And Absolutely.
1: ninety women. I Absolutely. love it. There's power in that. Absolutely. There, there's
2: some
0: um, rabbinical student who's figured out that 90 as a power number in the uh, the cosmology of hebrew numbering right that there's got to be something significant about yeah. the 90 number yeah. Well, thank you so much, Cassandra Barney and Emily McPhee for being us for being thank with you. us today. Uh, I would like to thank Cassandra Barney and Emily McPhee for joining me. You can see more of Cassandra's work at cassandrabarney.com. That's spelled and correct me if I get this wrong. C A S S A N D R A B A R N E Y. Correct. .com. And Emily McPhee at emilymcfee.com Emily which McPhee. is oh sorry that's right, and I haven't had it spelled out, and I knew I was going to get that wrong, <laughs> but now people remember it even more. E M I L Y C, M C P H I E com and of course at the certain women show opening october 4th for more details on events and locations of certain women art show visit certain women art to see images of the works we talked about today and to access our archive of interviews visit the zion art society website zionartsociety.org under the podcast tab i am micah christensen thank you for listening